Welcome to My Song, Your Song, Our Song. The very first episode of what we hope will be many. I'm Holden Slathery, here with a guy wearing a Sedimentum t-shirt. That's my co-host, Mike Warsh. Uh, And in this podcast, we explore our musical tastes and where they converge and where they diverge. So in each episode, we're going to talk about one song that's my song, uh, one song that's Mike's song, and one song that's our song, meaning one that we both already know and love. Not that it's like, you know, our actual song. (laughs) (laughs) Our wedding song. Yeah, our wedding song. So uh, today, my song is number 41 by Dave Matthews Band. And Mike? Uh, Killing Yourself to Live by Black Sabbath. All right. And today, our song is Hey Ya by Outkast. So let's get into it. Uh, We're starting with number 41 by Dave Matthews Band off their 1996 album Crash. It's the 41st song they ever wrote and one of a few DMB songs that they only gave a number to and not a name, Um, but by far the most popular one like that. So I bought this album Crash, uh, the second major DMB album when I was probably like 11 years old. Uh, This was at the peak of their popularity. Um, You know, Crash Into Me was on this album. Um, So I, I mostly listened to this, you know, first few times at that age. And Number 41, I think I knew I liked it, but it didn't stand out to me as a favorite. Um, also, like, you know, as a, as a kid, like for a song that's not a single and it's just called Number 41, it's kind of hard to like really think to gravitate toward it or that it's like a really important song. Um, so it was kind of late years later that I began to understand that this was one of, if not the favorite song by, you know, of many uh, Dave Matthews Band fans. Um, and the number one, like word that comes to mind with this is beautiful. I think it's a beautiful song. Um, I think the melody is, is really like key in this song. And, um, it's become a song that I'll introduce to some people, like just to introduce them to Dave Matthews band. And, uh, one memory, you know, a fond memory, I was doing some traveling, uh, in Crimea, Ukraine, back when I was in the Peace Corps, and there was a young lady I'd met at my hostel, you know, it was like a little summer fling we're, tr- we're traveling. And we did that thing where you like, you know, give one of your head uh, earphones to the other person. You listen to it, kind of like share it. And she had no idea who Dave Matthews band was, but like her reaction was, it's so beautiful. Um, and that's a, such a satisfying feeling when you introduce a song to someone and who knows nothing about it and they have a really positive reaction. Um, and then like, I played it for one of my coworkers recently who didn't really know much, uh, about them and she also really liked it. So, um, yeah, that's why it's kind of, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's probably my favorite, uh, DMB song, although there are a lot of others like close seconds. Um, and I would say lyrically, like I didn't pay too much attention to the lyrics of this uh, for for most of the time I listened to it uh, or like really understand what it was about. I think early Dave Matthews band, most of the lyrics are, well, they're not too specific um, always. So I didn't know, but later doing some research, uh, you know, I learned that this song is actually about making amends uh, with a friend, like a lost friendship. 
And specifically, it's about the uh, original manager of Dave Matthews band, Ross Hoffman, who was, I think, one of uh, Dave Matthews mentors, uh, you know, first manager, but he was fired over creative differences with the band. Uh, And then he sued them for like a share of the rights to their songs uh, and and, like probably general profits. Um, And so, uh, yeah, he starts saying like, come and see, I swear by now I'm playing time against my troubles. And I think that means kind of like, you know, he's hoping time heals all wounds and he's like seeing if like, if time passing will kind of help him like make amends or like get past this business dispute. Um, And so, yeah, he's got like a a biblical reference um, saying like, he'll bring water, like, and he's like, basically saying to like you know he wants to be generous to this person but he just like wasn't going to give him a permanent percentage of the band's profits when he after he was fired so it's like he still has that connection like he wants to get back to the friendship um but kind of the you know the business got in the way and and the guy you know is being i guess selfish or just like you know unable to get past this kind of uh dispute um and so, yeah, um, I would say also, you know, it's really important with a, with Dave Matthews band, you can't just talk about the studio version of a song. Um, but I do think the studio version of this is great. Like it's six and a half minutes and it it gives enough time there to like, you know, do some, some solos and like a long jazzy outro and really kind of get the live music experience a little bit. Um, just in like a tighter way. Um, but if you hear it live, it's going to be at least a few minutes longer. Uh, the longest I ever heard of it was like 21 minutes, uh, I think live from Europe, um, which is insanely energetic and fucking amazing. Um, so, but like if I'm playing this song for someone, if I'm introducing it, I'm going to send them the studio version. And it's, it's not one where like you have to hear the live version, but if you're a fan, you're probably going to have a live version of, of as your favorite version of any song. Um, and uh, finally, uh, I've been trying to see, you know, Dave in concert more lately, but last summer I went to the Hollywood bowl and I just assumed there was an opening act and that they were going to get started late. And they actually started the show with this song and I missed it, uh, which I'm still <laughs> And I, I don't know, I feel like it's a weird song to open with, like a like kind of like a fan favorite that's like not a single. Uh, but I see they, they'd like to open with it sometime. And then I saw them like a couple of weeks ago and they didn't play this, but played some other great ones. So, but hopefully go I'll go again this summer and maybe hear this live. Uh, so, Mike, uh, what were your thoughts? Did you know this song well before I picked it for this podcast? I think I'd heard it a couple times when that's probably the album I've listened to most because um, it has it has two of their biggest hits. It's Two Step and uh, Crash, both songs of which I love. Um, and I got this album as a kid and I used to listen to it all the way through, but it never really stood out to me. Um, but then when you played it, I think it like, I think it's a great display of all the best elements of Dave Matthews band. Like the, the instrumentals are complex, but made simple. They're quirky. 
Um, the drummer is insane on it. Mm-hmm. And it's got like the smooth, it's got like the smooth ride all the way through, but then it, it, it builds for the chorus. And then the, um, the bridge changes up and it kind of levels out. So I think it, it really showcases their musicianship. And um, I actually didn't know anything about the lyrics until you just spoke about it. Um, but we've had a couple conversations these past couple weeks and about Dave Matthews band and lyrics specifically. Um, and I always thought they were kind of like, this is a bad assumption on my part, but I always thought they were kind of just about love. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think, but I think in general, they, they go much deeper. And I think this is a, you know, this is a really good example of that. You do need some, you do need a backstory to, to fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, that's really cool. It forces you to dive deeper you know and uh it makes it replayable um it's a very replayable song which i you know those those songs in general i think are hard to write um so yeah i I think it's an excellent showcase of their skills and and songwriting Mm -hmm. yeah i never get tired of this song and i should add all this you know information about this former uh manager like i found that on the internet (laughs) so hopefully that's all true um in a way, I wonder like how that all came out or or where that comes from, because you would think maybe that in writing this, Dave Matthews would want Ross Hoffman to know it's about him, but not necessarily, you know, if you're writing a song for like forgiveness or or making amends with someone, you don't want to like publicize that or like make it embarrassing. So I feel like, yeah, it's intentionally not that specific, but it's, you know, with like, the type of fan base they have and how much has been written and like how much their fans kind of like try to understand everything. I feel like that just came out at some point that that's what it was about. Yeah. It's very like, um, I like that when it's very obviously not on the nose, you know, you have to read in between the lines and like you said, making amends, you don't want to embarrass somebody, you know what I mean? Especially somebody you're trying to, make amends with and somebody you still care about um so it's it's i think they benefit in a in a very large way by having such a a big dedicated fan base that really reads what they're saying um so that's cool that somebody published that Mm -hmm. that's pretty much a wrap on number 41 um do you want to get into uh killing yourself to live by black sabbath yeah, absolutely. This is um, this is actually my favorite song by them, or one of my favorite songs by them. And one of the reasons I like it so much is, honestly, never got into Black Sabbath as a kid. I was only I was always into metal, but something about Black Sabbath like never really appealed to me. And I think it's because they like their most famous songs are very like slow and doomy, and they're they're credited for creating that genre and and honestly metal in general um but i was never a big fan of like the really big slow moving chords i feel like it doesn't really take me anywhere personally so i never like dove deep into them but when i got to college um i met this friend he's still a good friend of mine he's my best metal friend um but he's he's very very into metal and he introduced me to a lot of Sabbath that was like, uh, 
it's it's still very popular. They're one of the most famous bands in the world, but um, it's some of their their lesser known stuff, I guess. And it's it's even closer to to classic rock. I don't know how much I would categorize the stuff I really enjoy as metal, um, but this song in particular, it's 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 very very groovy. It's very fitting of the times. They have like a they have like a Doors style synthesizer that they use in the song. Um, and the lyrics, um, the lyrics are very of the time as well. It actually, it was released on their 1973 album, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, which is my personal favorite album by, by them. Um, a lot of people prefer the Dio years, but I'm, I'm a bigger Ozzy fan. And, um, this album in particular, along with Sabotage, I think really showcases his vocal talents. Um, it's uh, he, he's somebody that uh, instead of you know he doesn't really belt out notes he doesn't he doesn't Dio like belts out notes and will keep a single note over the background instrumentals but with Ozzy he's more like uh, working with the instrumentals and working with the melody of the song so you never really get a chance to hear what he's vocally capable of. Um, but in this song, he, he really releases himself. Um, and I thought that was, I was really surprised by that. I never really considered him like a, a great singer, <laughs> you know, he's an icon, but I always, I always thought it was more image based. Um, with this song, the, the, the lyrics being of the time it's, it was released in 1973. Um, and it's about you know, having to work for a living and you're dedicating all this uh, mental and emotional energy to get a paycheck. Um, and so, you know, essentially you're, you're quote unquote, killing yourself to live. And obviously the late sixties, the early seventies, that was a, you know, a renaissance in the way we thought and, and approached uh, standard corporate American life. Um and I think this this song in particular by Sabbath is more dedicated to going against that specifically um, rather than many of the other things that they sing about. They, they have a lot of fantastical lyrics and, um, you know, they sing about drugs a lot and love. And this one specifically is just about living that lifestyle but more more going against the 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 idea that you have to work and dedicate your life to somebody else's for the rest of your life um so it's it's easy i think it's easy to i think everybody feels that even if you love what you do you you reach some point in your career or, you know the meaning of your life where you're you're wondering how much time and energy you're actually dedicating to making yourself happy. So I think it's a really good uh, gateway song. It's easy for a lot of people to relate to. Um, but it's also, it can be easy to tap into emotionally. It gets, it's easy to get you, you know, metal is a very visceral, emotional type genre. And there's, there's typically a lot of um, anger behind it. And with this, there's a lot of that um, 
but it's also like a, it's also a bit psychedelic and groovy. So it's not solely focused on anger, like a lot of black metal or death metal is. And that's why I liken it a, a little more to classic rock than I think I would metal itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the instrumental side of it, I think is some of their best songwriting. They, they incorporate a synthesizer in the, in the bridge, which, um, just for that part of the bridge, which really um, adds to the build and the groove of that particular section. Um, but but the drummer in particular, Bill Ward, and the guitar player, Tony Iommi, um, they're absolutely insane musicians. And not only are they, you know, technically very talented, but they're also insane songwriters. And in many other songs, you'll you'll get one or the other, either like really cool songwriting, but they're not being super technical, or they are they are being super technical and the songwriting's not that great. And I think this is the epitome of both for for those two in, in particular. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's also I think it's also hard for people to to picture metal as a uh, a groovy like melodic experience and that's purely what this song is it's pure groove pure melody um and i i absolutely love it for that mm-hmm. um yeah i'd yeah. be interested in hearing if there's also like you know an example some examples of later metal that are groovy or, or and melodic you know as someone who doesn't know that much about the genre i'm wondering if that's something that that's more because this is kind of a hybrid and it's still like kind of in the classic rock slash metal genre, or if you can find like more examples of that later on. You can, that actually, um, that was, that was the majority of metal all the way up until the late eighties. And then, um, death metal became very popular. Death metal was created in 1986, 1987. Um, and then black metal and like 19 really the first black metal album is like 1986 but it wasn't really popularized until 1990 1991 with all those like norwegian church burnings and everything like that Hmm. um so it was more of a classic groove all the way up into the late 80s and then in about 2010 this band called ghost came out and they sound like a kind of like a spooky uh, Blue Oyster Cult. I actually heard somebody describe them as Scooby Doo music, <laughs> but it's it's really it's way closer to classic rock, and um, that inspired a lot of new bands coming out in the 2010s and now the 2020s, uh, moving closer to that classical rock uh, style, classic rock style. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to to say about this before I weigh in? Um. No, I think that's. Well, I guess the last thing is um. The influence of drugs in art creation. I think, um, a lot of art is. I think maybe more great art is produced 
sober. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think drug use is necessarily conducive to incredible songwriting or art creation. But I think in Black Sabbath's case, it, it absolutely was. Um, and that really bleeds out through this song. And that, you know, that goes against, against the grain in a way. And it, it's, um, it makes the song more fun. <laughs> yeah um you know i definitely appreciate the lyrics uh the theme of the song i kind of think of like that time as like one of a couple times uh where i think of like people breaking away from corporate life um because like you know you hear about late 60s you know the hippies obviously and like some cults being started because people were like lawyers or businessmen. They wanted to like break away from that and try a whole different lifestyle. Um, and then like the nineties too, like if you ever noticed like so many, especially like late nineties movies, they all seemed about all seemed to be about people like breaking out of like a, a soul deadening corporate life, just the matrix as one the matrix. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I, I hadn't heard the song before. Um, I did enjoy it. Uh, I thought, um, I didn't love the way like the first verse sound like was executed. It almost sounded a little bit like, um, like a jingle or something. Um, but then I thought it got better from there. Like I, I liked the way he sang the chorus and like the, the later verse and, um, yeah, and I love I love the instrumentals and the you know I like longer songs where there's some some jamming or some I don't know if you call it jamming but like just you know some solos and um yeah um so I liked it uh I feel like I would appreciate it more in person maybe um yeah just like getting into to a different genre just like being there I feel like would make a difference yeah, totally. And you were speaking before about missing number 41. And, you know, Dave Matthews band just has so many songs. You're not going to see all the songs that you want to see live. I don't think Sabbath has played this song since 1975. Wow. You know, and it was released in 73. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely one of the songs I was looking forward to uh, when I saw them live. I didn't really expect them to play it, but I was holding on to hope. Um, but they, you know, of course they didn't, and they just played the their big hits, which were great too. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a shame. I I'll never catch this live. I hope you do catch number forty one. <laughs> Thanks. So when was this concert? Uh, were you at just one Black Sabbath concert? Yeah, I saw them in I think it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen for their last album tour, which is called Thirteen, um, and they. I was a little afraid they were going to play a bunch of new stuff, but they, you know, they played all the hits like War Pigs, Children of the Grave, NIB, etc. Um, so it was cool to see those songs live, you know, because you grow up and hear them on the radio. As a metalhead, people speak about them all the time. Um, so that was definitely cool to see. Um, but yeah, I, I wish they had done, I wish they had dug in the crate a little bit deeper. Yeah. I've been looking at every set list for Dave Matthews current tour and um, they're all diff. They're all so different. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely the ones that like the certain songs that are showing up multiple times on the tour. Um, but because they have this loyal fan base, like it's never just the biggest hits. And I feel like for most people, it's like the non-singles 
um, that are really fan favorites that people want to hear, but it's always a mix of those and some of the commercial hits and some of the newer songs. Um, so yeah, there was one in Camden the other night, night one in Camden. I really wish I was there. Uh, it was an amazing set list and someone got in a fight, um, near the stage <laughs> and Dave Matthews was telling them to get the fuck out, um, and like kicking someone out. Uh, so not the best showing for Philly. I know I've heard of fights happening at like Philly, Camden, Dave Matthews concerts before, or at least in the parking lot. I would hope it would be like contained to the parking lot and not in the show, but alas, that's what happened. <laughs> when I saw Dave Matthews live, it was in Philly. It wasn't in Camden, but it was at a, I think at that time it was Wells Fargo stadium. And um, I saw two fights break out really? one at the actual show. Yeah. And then I've, I was with um, somebody I was dating and we went to a bar and a fight broke out at the bar. And then, you know, we just left because it, it was intense. <laughs> okay. I wonder if, if this happens in other cities too, because in Chicago it was pretty peaceful. Uh, I think it doesn't happen that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So um, our song today is uh, Hey Ya by Outcast. Um so this is just a great pop song that really defies genre. Um, but, um, you know, for me, um, brings back some high school memories. It was probably like the biggest song my senior year of high school. And remember at senior prom, this was probably the song that got everyone on the dance floor as much as anything. Uh, maybe with the exception of Don't Stop Believing. Uh, my, my class was really, really unique. So we made that like our official <laughs> class song. <laughs> um any memories for you of hey ya yeah so hey ya came out in, i think it was my freshman year. um it was uh it was 2004 if i remember correctly and um my my best friend at the time was living right next door um, you know him, lb mm-hmm. um and we were um, I think it was Stankonia that introduced us to Outcast, and then we we went through a huge Outcast phase: uh, Aquemini, Atlians, um, Southern Playalistic, and and so on. Um, and what was really unique about this song is it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really fit. Outcast has different; um, they're like any. Uh, incredible artist where each album has a different theme and you can love an album individually uh each one for its specific theme and this one was you know more poppy than anything they had come out with in the past um and it really just is an insane songwriter um but it kind of moved away from from rap so to speak and, and went into pop um and the, the music video is really loud and poppy and flashy. Um, so it was, it was a big change, but it was, it was a very welcome change. Um, I, I really like the turn they took. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. was more the Andre 3000 or really the Andre 3000 side of the album, right? Where this was where he wanted to go musically kind of experimenting. Absolutely. And I, I think Andre's the, the, I'm sorry if this is a, a mean or a controversial opinion, but I think Andre is the stronger of the two in terms of songwriting. Um, 
Yeah, he's definitely seems know. more interesting, more unique in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and I think you that was really showcased in that double album that came. Uh, it was like a speaker box and the love below. Mm-hmm. I think this this really showcased the the differences between the two. Even though I know they they each influenced each other's side in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's got that kind of pop mixed with hip hop, but also like the pop is almost like, you know, the Beatles or something like that. Right. Like, I mean, you can see from the music video, they've got that kind of theme going on, like a London performance of like a, like kind of like a Beatles type group, but it's all Andre 3000. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. He's a, he's a musical genius, I think in, in most people's opinions. And it's, um, it's especially evident in this song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing about this song is uh, I think like at least 90% of the people that listen to this song, think of it as just like a party song about having fun, shaking your ass, you know, but it's actually like a sad song lyrically, but just like on a, on a like poppy uh, instrumental. So he's talking about the hopelessness of relationships or like, traditional monogamous relationships in the modern age. Um, Like he starts out saying his partner wouldn't like mess around, but then he's like, well, maybe she would, or she wants to, but she doesn't for fear of like being alone or, you know, ending the relationship. And then like gets into like them both knowing they're not happy, like trying to make it work. And then, um, you know, it has the line, uh, if they say nothing lasts forever, what makes love the exception? Um, and then one other lyric, like just getting at the irony says, y'all don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. And so it's like, yeah, he's talking about this issue with, with love and relationships, but like people don't want to hear it. Like they're just going to like pay attention to like the, the groove of the song. And then he just kind of like goes into all the like call and response type stuff um that's like a really fun like part of the song yeah and that's that's really interesting because uh one of their other most famous songs miss miss jackson is is along a, a similar line it's um i think it's about his relationship with uh erica badu and um coming to terms with that and it's a it's a very catchy poppy um kind of upbeat song but the lyrics are really really pretty heavy if you actually mm-hmm. pay attention to them yeah totally yeah mm-hmm. uh yeah i didn't i didn't think about that but for sure um yeah so um yeah i love i love that whole like the whole call and call and response is like um you know what's cooler than being cool ice cold and like all that all that stuff but i think like that also is like you know being ice cold is like being emotionally detached like because like he's just kind of like done with the whole relationship thing yeah and you can you can tell through his public appearance and uh his songwriting he's a he's a he's he's known for being like very cool and chill and like a you know like an idol that that accepts it you know and is is comfortable being a leader in that regard but he's a he's a very emotional person you can tell internally Mm -hmm. you know and i think he um 
not that he struggles with it, but he's had had to learn how to deal with it and still come off as this uh, this really cool, chill leader, you know. Um, yeah, so I really like the the dichotomy of the the poppy songwriting and the the quote unquote depressing lyrics for you know for that regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, yeah, it was uh, it was good, you know, learning more about Black Sabbath. I think we'll we'll probably get into them some more or some other you know metal acts and you know uh, sharing some Dave Matthews and and kind of reminiscing on our high school outcast memories. Uh, so this has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to our next one. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to my song, your song, our song. Take care.